0: You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 176 with Beth Troy. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited to have Beth on the show today. We are going to be talking about dreaming big. Have you ever thought to yourself as you have become an adult that you just don't dream big like you used to as a child? And I think a lot of times, especially as moms, you know, we kind of are just so busy and we're just thinking about the kids and the family. And maybe we even allow ourselves to dream for the kids and as a family unit, but we don't really allow ourselves to dream for ourselves, especially big dreams. I think it's really scary to think about dreaming big um, and not only just to dream big out loud, but to even let it enter your mind. I think once you let it go into your mind, you think, oh, no, no. I'm just setting myself up for failure. And then what if I don't achieve it? And then I'm, you know, I'm a loser. And, and why did I even dream this? This is so dumb. And I just really want to encourage you guys um, listening to Beth and I talk about this to like, go back to that childlike dreamer and think about the things that you really love to do and what you would like to do. I think a lot of times we lose our passions because we stop dreaming. And when I talk to moms and they're transitioning from, Their kids being home with them and going into preschool or preschool to kindergarten or, you know, leaving the house, you know, to go to college because they haven't allowed themselves to really dream for themselves. It can be very scary because it's like, well, who am I without taking care of the kids 24-7? And so I want to encourage you guys to really start thinking about, you know, what are your passions? Start allowing yourself to have the time to dream a little bit, even if it's only for a few minutes when you're drinking your coffee or during nap time or before bed and thinking about what are the things that you would really love to do in the future? Um, what, are the, what are the things that you would you'd like to accomplish, right? And so you think about the dreams and then you break them down into bite-sized pieces and set the goals, but you have to have the dream first to be able to go after something. So I hope you guys feel really encouraged and inspired by this episode. Hey, you guys. So before we jump into today's episode with Beth, I wanted to remind you guys that with dreaming big, it can feel so scary. And if you missed my episode 165, it was the beginning of the series I did about losing weight, losing 50 pounds in 10 months. And when I was just talking to Beth in this episode, it really made me think about my journey and just breaking down a dream into goals and making those goals bite-sized. And sometimes it often looks very boring. And so if you missed that episode that I did, make sure to check it out. It's 165. And even if you don't need to lose weight, I feel like Just listening to my journey, you could apply it to anything that you're wanting to go after um, dream-wise, goal-wise, and I just hope that it encourages you and inspires you to take that first step to your dreams. All right, let's go to the show. Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker on travel. I'm a travel agent, so I love asking my guests what their favorite vacation spot is and why, and this can be with or without kids.
1: Okay. Well, I would do both. I would actually like to do one with kids and then do the repeat without them. It, it. I think there's a big part of me that always wants to get back to my grandparents' camp in middle of nowhere, Maine, It was about 20 minutes from the nearest town. I use the word town very loosely. And there's not even like a stop sign in this town of Bingham, Maine. And you keep heading north and you're into the woods. And about 15 minutes out, you come along uh, what is called Kingsbury Pond. Mm. I'm from Ohio. And when you think pond here, uh, you think of something small that you would never step a foot into because it's covered in green algae at the height of summer. Mm. But ponds in Maine are like lakes and Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and so the cabin on there, they call them camps in Maine, but the cabin on there was built with logs from the property in the 1950s, and it was off the grid, and every summer, I would go for about two weeks uh, to visit there, and I would read books, and I would hike, and I would go canoeing, and I would look at old graveyards, and I would pick blueberries and eat lobster at the harbor, and that, I think I just always want to be back there, and I would love to be back there by myself so I could actually read, <laughs> but then I would love to be there with my boys. So we could just explore the place. That's
0: awesome. Okay. So now what is the one, or are you using that for both without kids and with kids? Got it. Okay. I Really could just travel to one place for the rest of my life. That would be it. Yeah. I love it. That's That is really cool. I haven't been to Maine. Well, yes, no, I haven't. If I have, I would have been very small. I can't remember, but, but I really do want to go there someday. Um, But you know, there's just so many places on the list and so little (laughs) time. And where's, you next, the where's the next place you're going? Uh, where's the next place I'm going? Um, we go to the beach every year. So we're in Nashville. So we can get to the beach. We can get to um, the Panhandle area in about less than seven hours. So it's the Gulf of Mexico. So it's h- kind of hard to beat. So we do that every year. Um, so my girls can have that experience. But um. and then we go to Michigan, of course. Um, but yeah, it's just <clears throat> just trying to figure out the bigger trips, you know, the the cost, the time, you know, right. All of those things. I know. Yeah. But we will get there one day. So that's exciting about Maine. Um, I love hearing everyone's stories and stuff like that. Um, I was recording, uh, the other day and, and she was talking about Europe and all that kind of stuff. So this is what I mean. It's like, my mind's just like, uh, there's so many places to go. And, um, yeah, so I have so many places on my bucket list. Um, I could talk about travel, uh, probably the whole time. So I always have to cut myself off. Um, so let's get started. And how about you share with us um, what your name is? Where? So you shared, you shared with us that you are from Ohio. Um, so tell us your name and how many kids you have. And then we will jump into how you got to where you are today.
1: Oh, absolutely. I am Beth Troy and I, yeah, I'm born and raised in Ohio, very proud Midwestern girl. And I now live in Oxford, Ohio, uh, Southwest Ohio, though. I'm originally from Cleveland and I have three boys. Jesse is 11, Ezra is eight and Tommy is six. So our our house is like the wilderness is the Mm, best way, but we call the boys collectively the bears because that the woods are their natural habitat. I love it. That is so cool.
0: Um, Okay, so how about you share with us? We're going to talk about dreaming big today. But um, how about we back up a little bit and um, just have you share how you got to where you are today. And then we'll kind of jump into where the dreaming big came from. But just share with us what you do. um, And, you know, how you even started off this journey.
1: Sure. So I'm definitely a wanderer. So I want to give that a shout out to people who are just like, "Ah, I still feel like I'm finding my way and I'm trying out a bunch of different things. And I would say if anything encapsulated my life, it is just a spirit of wandering and curiosity that takes me to a lot of different places. One year I actually had more jobs than the tax form allotted as its default setting. So I love it. um, I've done a lot of things. So currently at 38, my life looks like me being a professor in entrepreneurship at Miami university. I teach creativity and innovation courses there. I also teach courses for women in entrepreneurship. And then on the days that I'm not teaching and in my holidays and times off, I am also a Christian fiction writer.
0: Yeah. So I can see where you have lots of you kinda sound like me. When people ask me what I do, I feel like I'm listing off, you know, five different things. And um I remember when we first got married and again, like my husband was like, You have so many W twos. And um, because I, I was saving up for the wedding and so I like had all these side jobs. I, and then I had jobs that were cash, so I didn't even have a W two. So it was even more. So I totally relate to you. I, I really do. Um and I think it's fun. It keeps it fun and I think As we jump into this, this will make more sense, but um, I think sometimes people are like, oh, I got to find that one thing, right? And I I think that sometimes they may think if you have smaller things and there's more of them that it doesn't equate to the one big thing or um, all these kind of things that I think we have all these rules or limitations about um, that really don't serve us very well. So I'm glad that you shared that with us, you know, and I, I think it's just nice to hear from other people, to hear like what they're doing and um to know like okay like they're doing it it kind of gives people permission a little
1: bit when they hear other people's stories absolutely you should be able to try before you buy and i think we yeah. we forget that 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 comes with jobs especially in the gig economy where there are so many ways that okay you, you have an interest you know there's so many ways that you can try out that interest and see like do i like it as much in the doing of the thing as i do in my mind about the thing right yeah. and i think that's those dreams come in is because sometimes we build up something in such a big way in our mind that we forget all of the low stakes ways that we could actually be trying that out to see whether we like it.
0: Yeah, I agree. So this takes me to the, the whole conversation that we're going to have. And I, I thought it would be fun to have you come on the show today because I feel like it can be so easy to not dream big. And because it feels just super scary and you don't You know, you don't even want to say it out loud at times what your dreams are. And I feel like this is especially true when it comes to moms. And so we can just get caught up in our kids' lives and just holding it together for the family that sometimes we might not even allow for ourselves to dream for our sake and maybe maybe we can dream for the kids or even as a family, but when it comes to our dreams, I think it can just feel so scary and you don't want to put it out there because I think if you don't put it out there, then you don't ever feel that letdown or disappointment if it doesn't come true. Um, So you kind of just keep it all bottled in. But I, but at the same time, I think that's, you know, as children, you don't have that limitation. Like you just kind of throw things out there. When you listen to children, they're kind of like saying all the things that they want to do. I mean, my daughter, she wants to be like a babysitter. My five year old, she wants to be a babysitter, a cook, a shop, a dog walker. I mean, um, a dancer. I mean, all over. Like, but when you're little, like that's normal. Like, I think you. Like you think like that, but when you get older, you start to filter that, you know, you're kind of like, uh, I don't know. So between being just busy and not having the time to sit around and think about dreaming big, I think we get older and we're like, well, I'm already this age. So really how realistic is this? I don't know. And then you just really start saying, I can't do this. I can't really dream about this because it's not realistic. So yeah. with all of that said, um, I, I, I want to talk to you about, you know, the dreaming and putting limitations on dreaming big. And also, uh, I want to talk to you about like, how do you live your life, right? And then also dream and not keep them in separate hands and having them in both hands. So how about you share with us um, with writing your first book, Lou, and what you learned in that process?
1: Well, I, first I learned that I need to get the dream a little dirty. So the for years, I'd wanted to write a book and i kept on making excuses. now i didn't think i was making excuses at the time. what i was doing is i was looking at my situation and saying, okay, i really want to write a book, but i need to wait until and then you could fill in that blank until with any number of things, you know. um After I have the first child and then well, then along came the second child and then along came the third child and and me working part time jobs during that time or staying at home with them. And I definitely looked at the lay of the land. It was full energy levels were really low but in me was this burning desire to write a story and i kept on putting it off and putting it off and and the more that i put it off the more i actually started to believe in my excuses to believe that they were true and in doing that i built up this dream in such a big way in my mind so how i would describe it at the time was it was like i put it in this turret and i thought that i would have to have an entirely different sort of life before I could actually climb the steps to that turret to do it. So I just, I just raised it high above my life and just in making excuses, I made the dream unattainable. So when I say that you need to get the dream dirty, it means you need to kind of take that dream out of its turret, whatever high shelf you've put it on and say, okay, I mean, is it really true that I don't have time? Is it really true that I don't have energy? Is it really true? Insert excuse. Or what are all the ways that I could make time? What are all the ways that I could channel energy? And once I found that I stopped making excuses and I started asking really good questions, I found the time and I found the energy. Um, And in so doing, realized that living out a dream, like the actual day-to-day work of the thing is very much the opposite of sexy. It's actually kind of boring. It's Mm, actually kind of mundane, but that's how my dream lived within my life. And I was ultimately able to accomplish it and finish writing that book.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I I think that is very true. A lot of times the things that you're working towards is very boring. It's the day in and day out that you're doing and It isn't a lot of fun. I mean, I think that's why a lot of people quit doing things because I think they think it's going to be so energetic and exciting and the result may be that, but what you have to put in every day, does not look super exciting all the time? It may be at times, but, but not all the time. So I guess what would, what would be your advice that you would want to give us to start really thinking big for our dreams and encouraging us to live our life while, you know, dreaming big? I mean, because now we just told everybody it's going to be boring. So now we have to really encourage them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was really great. It's a super inspiring episode. Yeah, I, well, I would agree. I'd like to let it be boring, right? So mm-hmm. I, I would think that the first thing that I would say is look at these excuses that you are making and acknowledge them as excuses. So I am a writer and I am a fan of having the words be what the words actually mean. So let's call a spade a spade here and say, okay. Um, probably these things that you're saying are true. They're probably not true in the way that you're saying them. Like I'm reading this book right now. It's absolutely fantastic. It's by Laura Vanderkam. It's called 168 hours. Mm. And in there, she talks a lot about using active language when it comes to time. She goes, you cannot say you don't have time. Every person has 168 hours in a week. Interesting. I like so, that. It's, it's, you are, you are choosing not to do that thing. And I, that language is extremely powerful. And I find that once I started doing that, so what I, how I ended up writing my book was I realized, okay, you know what, when do I have the most time in a day? Like, and when do I have the most creative energy to fill up blank pages, which is what you have to do as a writer. You just fill up blank pages, right? Until the story is done. And I realized, okay, I'm actually highly energetic in the morning. Um, so you know what I'll do? I'll just set my alarm earlier and I'll see what comes of it. And and that's how the book was written. And yes, it, it required a shift in sleeping schedules. I was not going to bed earlier so that I could wake up earlier. But it's amazing how if you do that day in, day out over a year, your book gets written. But I think even more so than that, you really touched down on this. So before I start to look at my excuses and pick them apart and see whether they're true, I think for moms the world over, what I would want to say is you are allowed to dream. Like you do not need to feel badly about that. Like that you have permission to do that. You can do that right now and you can act on that right now. And also too, in 2020, this age of authenticity I think it's important that as we are helping our kids live out their dreams and encouraging them to do the things that they dream about that we are also taking a dose of our own medicine and making sure that our cajoling for them to get to that place comes from an honest place where we are doing that very thing ourselves.
0: Yeah, I agree. And so I guess I think what people might um get stuck on too is dreaming versus goal setting. So what is your thoughts with that? Like, what have you experienced with, you know, you, you, have to probably set a goal for writing your book. Right. But, um, so it's like, okay, here's my goal to have this done by a certain time. Okay. Versus like, well, I'm going to dream that I'm going to, you know, finish this. So how do you break that down so that, cause I think it's, I think it's easier for people to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to set some goals because that seems so much more practical than thinking about dreaming. So what is your thoughts between those two?
1: Right. So dreaming is a fun imaginary space, right? Dreaming is, and and we should always be doing a little bit of that every day. So I'm a creativity professor. I'm a creative writer. um, Like imagination is part of the game. So I definitely think we need to put ourselves in places for me. This is like the woods, long walks, good music drives in the car. There's a lot of country around my house where I just allow myself to imagine whatever. And, And I would do that. I would imagine this book and I would imagine the story that would unfold. I would imagine readers reading it. I would imagine me writing it. And that was fantastic. You're absolutely right that that's very different than a goal. So a goal is something that is actionable and achievable, and it needs to have both a long-term aspect as well as short-term tasks. So for me, in the case of my first book, I knew I had one year to do it. So in that point, I knew that I could afford, the family could afford for me to take a year off of my part-time jobs and replace that work with this unpaid work of a writer. So that's what I did. I realized, okay, I have a year to do it. And And after that point, when I set out that this book was going to be written in a year, I rarely looked at it like a book from that point because a book was too big, and the goal sometimes mm-hmm. gave me a little bit of paralysis because I was like, "Well, who am I to be writing a book?" And that was a little too scary. But once I said, okay, the the goal of this year is a book, then I only at that point then thought about it in terms of pages. So my goal was every week that I would write one to two chapters. And then every day I would then write pages to achieve those chapters. And so what it would look like is on Saturday afternoons, I would go to the library with my oldest son. He would hang out for about two hours and I would just write, 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 write. And I would give myself full space to free write. And the goal was words on page. Right. And then I would fill up, I don't know, anywhere from three to five pages, depending on how the writing was flowing over a two hour period. Um, then the rest of the week, what I would do is I would take those pages and I would start to edit and revise them in chapters. And even then in those times is it allowed me to take advantage of those 15 minute, 30 minute increments that we sometimes have as moms. Right. Where you like find yourself in the kitchen, your laptops there. And oh, my goodness, the kids are miraculously playing in the family room by themselves. Yes. Now, if I was working on a chapter, that wouldn't be enough time. But since I'd already done a lot of free writing over the weekend, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to work on this paragraph. So the more that we can take the big goal, put it into a take the big dream, put it into a long term goal and then make it actionable on a day to day level, you'll start to see that as you discipline yourself to take advantage of that, you're going to start to make traction. So.
0: Here's a question for you, Um, especially with you teaching creative. um, What is it again? Creative. Yeah, creative entrepreneurial thinking. Oh, Mm -hmm. got it. Yeah. Okay. So I think what happens too with a lot of adults um, is that because they've had to push down dreaming so much, um, and they don't, you know, probably find that it's realistic and stuff like that in their heads. um, What would you recommend for people that have pushed it down so much that that when they when you ask somebody? what are your dreams? Some people may find themselves that they're kind of like, uh, I don't really know because they didn't they haven't allowed themselves to really go there in such a long time that they don't know. And and I love that you're saying like going on walks and being in the woods or driving the car. What kind of exercises would you say for people who are really struggling to think about like their dreams? Like they're just so afraid to yeah. even think it, right? Like forget talking about it and, and out loud. They're like afraid for it to come up, in their mind to be like, like, okay, I really do dream that. Like, so what, what is your thoughts to kind of, uh, you know, something very practical to kind of get them in that motion of dreaming and, and letting it bigger and bigger, um, without being so scared to filter it out every
1: time it comes up. Oh, sure. Oh, that's such a good question. Cause I've, I've talked to a lot of people that are like, well, I don't know what my passion is. I'm like, well, they don't usually just drop out of the sky. Right. Right. Um, that- that would be very nice. And, you know, and I actually would say this, like, I don't know if writing was necessarily my passion. I would actually say that reading was. So here's usually what I say in terms of how do you reawaken your creative mind? Cause as, as you've noticed, and as, I mean, as you've noted in the podcast, mm-hmm. children just have way more bendy minds than we do. Right. right. Like you're just all the things your daughter mentioned that she wants to yeah. be do, like within the span of a 10 second time, you're yes, like, right. I can't even figure out what I want to do in the next 15 seconds, yeah, right? you yeah. like eight careers mapped out. So the beautiful thing is, is that what we need to remember is that we used to be like that. Yeah, used to be that five-year-old who had a big imagination and could think of those things, and so it's just a matter. It's not that that's that we never had that, and it's not that it's gone. We just need to awaken it, and so the best way to awaken it is first to be very observant of your world. That is point number one. Always look around your world and see what you're noticing. What are you liking? What aren't you liking? What? problems exist in this world that you would actually like to solve to help other people out. And that starts with a lot of observation of just looking around. So my my dream for writing a book originally stemmed from just my love of reading. It was just the way that I love to pass the time as a child. And for a really long time, I knew I wanted to write. But I think that just came from a really probably childish sense of, well, I like to eat cupcakes. Therefore, I would love to make cupcakes for me to eat. Right? Right. Right. It wasn't until I was in my twenties where I started in on a faith journey and which was totally new to me. And I went to a bookstore. And I was looking forward to kind of going into an aisle, you know, the inspirational section of the aisle, which I never would have given the time of day before. Um, I find myself in this aisle and I'm so excited because I have this new faith and I'm and I'm all ready to find great stories about women who have been on a similar journey for me that I can learn from and, and you know, read through those stories. And I go down this aisle and all I see is Amish fiction. Oh my and gosh. <laughs> I'm just it's just a sea of bonnets and high backed lace <laughs> collars and just horrible titles, like softly flows her heart. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not that girl. This is this is horrific. And I mean, and I'm in my twenties at this point. So you know, this is about 15 years ago. And I just at the time, and I just, I left as quickly as I could, like, I would not be caught dead in that aisle. And I'm just wondering why I wasn't given like a costume issue. And it was just this horrific experience. And, you know, over the next five years or so, I kind of kept tabs. I was like, has anyone put out anything I'd be interested in reading? And it just kept on checking no on that box. And then finally, and this just goes to show how low on the uptake I was, that I was like, oh, that's the story that I will write. So it's not that I'm going to sit around waiting for somebody else to write this story about a modern woman and her beliefs. It's that this is my job. And that is what really then started. And once I got to that point, that's then really where the imagination and the dreaming came in. But it started with me kind of having a certain bent toward enjoying stories anyway, and then really just observing my world. And finally, I just settled on this problem that was so intriguing to me. And the more I spoke with other women around me, they were like, oh yeah, I would love it if someone would put a story. And that's when also to your entrepreneurial mechanism starts to kick Mm into your, so it's not just me who wants this. Ooh, maybe there's market share, right? Right. (laughs) But yeah, so I would say just start with being curious, being curious about yourself, what you like, what you don't like, and then what problems are out there that you could solve for other people and for yourself in the process.
0: Yeah, I really do love that. Well, we are almost at the end of the show, but I wanted to ask you, um, two. this is a two-part question. So where do you find yourself today with your dreams and your life in both hands, and how has that been? Has it been an easy thing now that you kind of have figured out how to do it, or do you still feel like um, you try to kind of separate the two? And then we talked about kids dreaming big. I'm curious, like, how do you keep that going in kids so that they don't become... Like grownups like us where then they have to start all over again and figure out how to do it. And how do we really encourage them to keep dreaming and not, you know, taper that down and, and stop dreaming altogether?
1: Oh my goodness. These are big questions. They're such good questions to end on. I think the first thing for me, like, no, it's, it's never easy, right? Because life is complicated. The the boys are growing up. They have new ways that they need me involved in their life. I have a full-time job at the university now. Um, so it's, it's very difficult. So it continues living out dreams. Um, I'm going to release my second book this summer, which is the sequel to the first. And, Working that out was the same way as it was before. But I I think for us, if I could say two things Mm -hmm. about dreams and goals, it would be um, first, be very kind to yourself you know, keep your mental health space in a positive space of, Hey, you know what? Maybe you wanted to show up today. Um, but then they, they called a snow day or your kid got sick, or you thought you were going to write two pages and you wrote a paragraph. So be it. I think what is, what is most important is I set that time. I did my best to come that time and work And some days it flows and some days it doesn't, but I'm certainly not helping myself if I'm berating myself. So the first thing is be kind. And then the second thing is, Treat every day like Groundhog Day, keep it actionable. Show up to work as best you can every day to do the work, no matter what happened the day before. So if, if you can keep on being kind and action oriented, over time the work will get done. It absolutely will. Um, and then for our kids, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. I think for me, it's just give them free time. Give them time and space to play. You know, my boys, they just need a field or woods and some sticks. How old are your boys again? I don't they're, know if you said that or not.
0: Oh, God, yeah, They're 11, 8, and 6. 11, 8, and 6. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, okay. Just letting them have time to think, especially you probably can see the change a little
1: bit with your 11, 11-year-old versus your 6-year-old. Yes. And I love it. He has such an active imagination. He really oh, is. cool. Bigger. And so even actively now, he'll take some of his wooden swords and be like, Mom, I'm going to go in the basement to imagine things. Oh, that's so cool go. But I also know he's on that cusp where he might lose it. So yes. how I try to do it is just give them, um, not overscheduling them, mm. give them time and space to play and trying to keep my distance as much as possible. So I'm not micromanaging that situation. Right. It's because especially with boys, it can get yeah. really cool, really fast. So I'm trying like <laughs> okay, if don't stitches, I'm just going to stay out of it. Right. Yeah. Um, but then I think it also goes back to like, you know, especially with my oldest son he knows I finished my second book last summer. Like mm. he knows that's why I was bringing in a babysitter last summer was so I could write that book and I can now have conversations with him about it that I couldn't have three years ago when I released the first one because he wasn't that interested. Right. So he knows it's happening. He's like, are you going to do a book release party again, mom? Yes, I am mom. Can I come to this one? Yes, you can. Just the other day he sent me, he shared his Google doc with me for a story that he's writing Aww. Um, and he wants me to look it over because I am the family writer, and so I think we need to remember, like we get, we in living out our dreams, cast a vision to them for what their dreams could look like.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, it just, um, it made it made me think about like, you know, they are watching what you do, so I feel like when they see their parents going after dreams and goals. It gives them permission to be like, oh, I can do this too. Um, as your oldest gets older, right, and you can see that he starts turning, um, do you have any ideas on to, on helping him to keep dreaming, though, as things become more kind of like, you know, just it, just how it is, especially in the United States. It's like, you know, it's like you have the ACTs and you have all these things that are you're like, I got to do it. And then you just get so busy That dreaming can get pushed out of the way. And I think that's how we end up being as adults and forgetting to dream. Now that you are very aware of this and intentional, um, do you ever see yourself kind of giving them some task or whatever to kind of make sure like, hey, are you still dreaming? But, you know, not in that creepy way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mommy's watching. Are you Mom dreaming? Are you still dreaming? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a yeah. cool thing. You
0: teach, you teach college. So you're, you're already in like young adults um, and helping them. So I think that's really cool. And then you also have an 11 year old and, um, and, and you're on the other side as an adult dreaming and figuring all this out. So, you know, for all of us moms that, you know, might just be entering into being intentional about dreaming to begin with for ourselves. It's like, wait, How are we supposed to help our children not lose it? So that's where I think it might be good to hear if you have any thoughts on that to kind of keep it going now that you are so aware of this that you might have not been, you know, say even 10 years ago. Sure. So
1: I think for them, and I I think about this as well, and in terms of how I'm raising them as well as what I teach my college students and then what I know in my own life, I think first affirming your children where they are strong and where they are intelligent, right? So mm-hmm. it was years ago that Strengths Finders came out, which is a new managerial practice right. of let's not get people to shore up their weaknesses. Let's find out where they're strong and get them stronger. Right. Um, so as a mother in conjunction with that, oh shoot, what have they come out with now that there's eight different intelligence types, nine oh, different I intelligence don't know types. And not surprising, not all of those manifest themselves in standardized testing. Mm. Yeah. So With my three children, I have my oldest son. As I will describe it, he is smart in the way that schools appreciate. He has an amazing memory. He's a brilliant standardized test taker. Like He is going to shine in that environment. My middle son has ADHD. He um, is very much more a mechanical learner. He's great with he's he's creative in ways and I don't know if school is ever going to be the environment he shines in and then my youngest son has a global developmental delay and he has significant uh, special needs that present themselves mm. in verbal capacity so already I am dealing with a diverse mm. range within yeah. my own family. So part of how we create inclusion in our house and appreciate diversity in our house is to recognize it and affirm it. And so I'm a huge fan of the multiple intelligence types and affirming my kids in their areas of intelligence, instead of setting up a hierarchy of intelligence saying, ah, you are good at math and science and standardized tests. Therefore you are the smartest of the bunch, right? Mm-hmm. So I Affirm them where they are, try to help them find that, recognize that, help them to develop confidence in that. And so after that point, then it is, I feel like it always goes back to curiosity, putting them in places where they can ask those questions. Because one of the things that we found with the creativity tests is that as our creativity starts to tank, as we get older, what also tanks is um, the number of questions that we ask in any given day. And then also laughter. Mm. So the more that I can keep both myself and my children in curious spaces where we are learning and we are asking good questions, and the more that I can keep us dealing with ourselves lightly and reminding ourselves we're learners here. The goal isn't perfection. It isn't attainment. It's that we're trying and we're learning and learning is okay. Um, And we can kind of keep that humility (laughs) level. Yeah, I love it. It's just the better off we'll all be. But again, I think it goes goes back to them hopefully mimicking what they see in both me and their father in terms of how we approach our work and life. So yes, I think it's affirming them helping them to remain curious, asking good questions, giving them time and space to follow those questions and then dealing with themselves lightly, making sure that we are, we are laughing at ourselves. <laughs> we are, um, you know, just reminding ourselves, don't take ourselves so seriously. Like this game of life is, is a game of learning. Certainly even within my own first book, which I know that many people would say, Oh, I wish I could write a book. Like that was a learning experience. Mm-hmm. I learned so many things through it. Um, and now with the second book, I realize all the things that I did wrong with my first, right? And I don't feel badly right. about the woman who wrote that book. Like I'm not hating on Beth circa 2016. Shoot, she wrote her first book. That's amazing. She was amazing. Um but now how much more do I know in 2020 and then how much more will I know in 2022 or 2023 when I write my third one, right? Yeah. I love that. So I deal with myself kindly. Um, and as a learner, then that will automatically transpose to my kids. But if I'm, if I'm being perfectionist, if I think that there is some sort of apex that I'm supposed to be reaching, well, shoot, I'm going to drive them in the same way. And I think that that pressure and that fear of failure is going to take out their creativity every time. Yeah, I think that's
0: really great. And I, I do think that's a good point about with the questions, you know, young children, um, I forget the, um, the number of questions, I feel like a five-year-old, I just saw this or heard this somewhere. It's like ridiculous, like the amount of questions that they will ask. And I'm thinking, I am so glad I'm not a kindergarten teacher. Oh I mean, goodness. it would, I, I don't even know. So God bless them all. But um, I, it's because they ask so many questions because they're in that point of their life that they kind of, they're understanding things more. So then they're like, oh, let me ask this. And so I can see where as an adult, you are not asking, I mean, h- how many questions are you even really asking yourself in a day, you know? So- no.
1: Not enough, it turns out, right? Yes, And why is that? Why is it? Is it because we're too tired? Is it because we're afraid? Yeah. Yeah, all those things. Or you (laughs) think (laughs) you know it already? I have no idea. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, that is a really good point. And I love keeping it light and laughing and stuff like that. Those are really great, great tips for us. Well, Beth, this has been so much fun. And I appreciate you coming on the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Amber.
0: Hey, you guys, have you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show email list yet? If you want to have discounts sent to your email and links to the books we discuss on the show, as well as all the guests' information, then you will want to subscribe. That way, every episode will show up in your inbox every Tuesday, and you won't have to go searching for the newest episode. It will be right at your fingertips. So just go to mominspiredshow.com and scroll down and enter your name and email, and you will be all set. See you next week.